Welcome to Kingdom 101 and thank you for being with me. I'm Hanson from Our Keepers Awakening and it's a joy to have you tuning in, watching in or listening in. I'm from Our Keepers Awakening and we're a ministry dedicated to the awakening of saints that we may all know and fulfill our God-given kingdom assignments. And we believe that if you want to be on kingdom assignment, you need to have a right kingdom foundation. And that is what Kingdom 101 is all about. Ever since starting this in March 2015, we've just been plodding on this expository journey with a very simple objective. Firstly, we want to know Jesus as our King, not just Saviour. Secondly, that we may embrace His Kingdom, the ways, the words, the principles, so that we can then receive and move on our Kingdom assignment. So it's a joy to have you with us. Let's pray together as we get into today's teaching. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time, and I pray that you will be with me as you will be with everyone listening and tuning in. And so, Lord, will you guide us? Will you be with us? Holy Spirit, teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today's teaching is entitled, A Different Track. Well, let's start with a question first. Have you heard of this phrase, a one-track mind. I'm sure this is very, very familiar to you. Well, by definition, it makes a reference to a person whose thoughts are preoccupied with either one subject or one interest or just one way of thinking. More broadly, this person will approach a topic or anything that um, you talk about with a fixed mindset or a point of view. Now, if you apply this to a religious mind, then I suppose this person would be always holding on to a set of beliefs or position or some practices that to him or her might equate to a standard of morality and purity. Well, in our last teaching, we met the scribes and Pharisees from Jerusalem and they confronted Jesus about the washing of hands. And this was something the Jews practiced for the purpose of achieving a level of purity as an extension of their dietary or their food laws. So in a sense, where upholding the law was concerned, they had a one-track mind, right? And they were very clear, they were precise, and they would go down this one track. Well, the tradition that has been passed down uh, required this of them. And it said that this was the way, and this is the only way, and everyone needed to get onto the same track. Well, you know what happened, right? They elevated tradition over the law or the Torah. And what they didn't realize was that they had gone off the right track, off the heart of the Torah, and they had gotten onto the wrong track of the tradition of the elders. So in our last teaching, we said that more than just wash your hands, I mean, that's good hygienic practice. But where purity is concerned, it's not just washing of hands. You need to watch your heart. It is more than rules and rituals. It is about a right relationship with God. We also explored the place of tradition, and especially in modern church Christian context, we too can fall into the same track or the wrong track and miss the heart of the matter. And Jesus, in trying to get them back onto the right track, he exposed their misalignment and their hypocrisy and he said to them, do you know something? Isaiah actually prophesied about you guys. 
You draw near with your mouth, with your lips, but your heart is far away from me. And when you worship me, it's, it's not useful. It's in vain because you are holding on to these doctrines as if that these would help you become purer or better in the sight of God. Now, we got to be careful even as we take heed of this teaching. Jesus said this of the Pharisees and it could well apply to us if we are not mindful of the point that Jesus is making. Well, that's where we left off and that's where we will pick up from as we continue with Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 to 20. Now, we know that we talked about the scribes and the Pharisees, but there was more than one group that had this one-track mind. In fact, if you look at the entire passage from verse 1 all the way through to 20, it was more than just the scribes and the Pharisees. It was also the multitudes and the disciples were with Jesus. So everyone was listening in. And I think it's safe to presume that the multitudes listened in also with the same mindset and the same rituals. And they would have been confused as in, Jesus, what are you really saying? What are you teaching and what are you uh, uh, bringing to us? Now, the disciples, now, although they didn't wash their hands and they were listening to Jesus, and they too had the same upbringing. Now, Jesus addresses all of them, but having dealt with the scribes and the Pharisees, he now turns to the multitudes and with the disciples listening in, he said this, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth this defiles a man. I love these three words, hear and understand. This is a very familiar phrase, right? Have we not heard this before? Matthew chapter 13, it's all about hearing and about understanding. Jesus is always appealing to the people around him to say, will you listen up? Will you hear what I am saying? Because firstly, there will be people who hear and still not hear. They will hear what is being said, what is being taught, and somehow they miss the entire point. Now, as they are listening in and hearing, they don't understand. So it's not just a physical, okay, I hear you. It's got to be, I hear you. I, I get it. I need to understand this. And thirdly, to understand is not just a mental ascent to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Amen. No, to understand means then to lift this out, to carry it out, and to do the things that our Lord and our Master requires. And so you see, to hear and to understand, this is Jesus' appeal and request to all of us. It's not just another teaching that you want. It's not another amen that you want to type in or to shout but that if you understand, if there's a revelation and a conviction, then you need to live out of this. Now, in a parallel passage in Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 16, Mark also records the same thing. Hear me, everyone, and understand. Now, after, then, after that phrase that Jesus then teaches, he adds one more line. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Here. I believe we are in a time and a season, even in the book of Revelation, when Jesus reveals himself and to the churches, the conditions that they were in, he is also saying this, will you hear what the Spirit is saying to us? 
But in this teaching proper, he says, it's not what that goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. Now, this is what defiles a man. Now, in the previous teaching, we looked at the issue of the hands, but we realized it's really the issue of the heart. But there's a common factor that Jesus raised, and this is the mouth, right? He's saying it's not what, what goes into the mouth, it is what comes out. And this is what will defile a man. Now, if it makes it clearer, perhaps you know Jesus may have used a whiteboard on the sand or on the walls. He could have scribbled this out. He's saying, look, it's the same mouth, but something comes in and something comes out. This is what makes all the difference. And the Jews are going, huh? What are you talking about? Um, I'm losing track of what you're talking now, you know? And you see, to the Jews, they were concerned with a digestive tract, right? What comes in and extending from the food laws, they said, well, I'm not going to touch unclean food. But if you give me clean food, I'm not going to touch it with unclean hands because if my hands are not clean, then I touch the clean food, then it becomes unclean, then I would have defiled myself. Now, from a hygiene, a scientific point of view, we get it, right? We want to wash our hands and we want to make sure that we have clean hands. But from a purity point, this does not make sense. And Jesus was highlighting to this to them to say, look, you are talking about a digestive tract. And you are thinking that if you take these things and not wash your hands, then it's going to defile your heart and it's going to defile you. But notice something. It doesn't happen that way. I'm on a different tract. I'm talking about a moral tract down here. It is not what goes into the mouth. It is what comes out. Now, you got to know, it's got to come from somewhere. And that somewhere is the heart, right? And so if you look at this picture, this is the, the picture that Jesus was painting for them. You are on a different track altogether. Jesus says, look, I moved on to a different track here. You are thinking about digest, a digestive tract. I'm looking at a moral tract. And we are talking about two different things here. Now, the disciples then came to him later on and he said, and they said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Well, think about this. It's hard to hear and to understand things when you're stuck with a one-track mind. Is it not so? Right? How many times have we tried to help someone, convince someone, but it's so hard to get them off this track to think and move on to a different track. They are stuck on a different frequency. And if you want them to, to understand it, you have to help them shift first. And that was what Jesus is saying. Wrong track. Wrong track. <laughs> okay? Get the point. I'm showing you something different here. But if you have a one-track mind, and this is something that you're used to, and you have been traveling down this track, you don't want to shift, right? You want the other person to shift with you. And so when they don't agree with your one track, they won't want to sing the same song. They, want to, they don't want to talk about the same thing. They refuse to see the point. And in, in, instead, they get upset. They get offended when you try to show them which is the correct track. But let's understand it a little bit more. 
You see, in those days, it was all about identity. For the Jews, their identity as a people, as a kingdom of God people, right? That's what they had in their mindsets. In the first century, Jewish identity was very, very important. They had the law, they had their tradition, and they were trying to preserve, to preserve who they were or who they are as best as they could. Now, three things differentiated them from the rest of the nations. For one, circumcision, right? It was given to them by God. They guarded it jealously and zealously. The next thing was the Sabbath. They made a boo-boo before and they said, look, we're going to keep this Sabbath now so that we don't get thrown out of the land once more. Been there, done that, learned our lesson. We better be good Sabbath-keeping people. Now, the third thing that differentiated them, which is the topic of what we're talking today, is their food or their dietary laws. What separated them from the rest of the nations were their very strict ways of eating what they could eat or what they couldn't eat. Now, we understand. Now, we put on this, over all these, the tradition of the elders. They were trying to protect their Jewish identity, and so they added to the laws the tradition, which became, after that, the entire document. They held that to a certain level, even above the law, and this was what Jesus was trying to address in his day. But if you think from a Jewish mindset, then to attack some of these practices, to attack some of these traditions, would then to be attacking the identity of the Jewish people. So imagine if, if you were one of the Pharisees that day, and, or the multitudes, or even the disciples, you would have looked at Jesus and the same thing again, right? As the Pharisees hurled an accusation against the disciples as well as Jesus. Call yourself a teacher. How can you say you are a rabbi? How can you say that you are a good teacher if you don't keep to all these things? This is what makes us us. But you see, the king is not coming to make you you. The king is coming to say, look, I am the king. I'm trying to tell you, you're off on a different tangent. You're on a wrong track. I am moving on a different track. And I want you to hear me and understand so that I can help you shift onto the right track. You see, all these three items were big deal things. And that is why in the Gospels, they came and they, they, they took issue with Jesus about the Sabbath. And now it was about the food laws. Now, where circumcision is concerned, we're going to touch on that in a little while. The apostles had to deal with that later on, even in the epistles. So can you see why the experts who laid down these rules, who, who set all the parameters and all the fencing, they were so offended. Either they couldn't see that they were wrong or they refused to see it. And this is the problem when sometimes when we have a one-track mind, it's hard to shift. Well, the multitudes themselves, I'm sure that some of them might have wrestled with this. I mean, they were very happy if they don't have to wash their hands. But the question is, is it correct or is it not correct? Then the disciples themselves, I'm sure they had the same challenge too. And so you need Peter, right? You know, the, always the bold one. Um, the rest maybe were jostling and like, are you sure or not? Uh, real or not? And then they, they sort of pushed Peter and Peter would have just come up and 
boss, teacher, master, can you explain this whole thing to us, right? Um, I'm really happy that I don't have to wash my hands and we don't do it because you tell us not to do it. But can you really explain this again? And this, this is really interesting, right? Sometimes we as Christians, we are like the disciples, is it not? When they tell us to do something, okay, we'll do. When you tell us not to do something, okay, we won't do. And then when someone asks us, now why do you do it? Or why don't you do it? We are like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my church say one, uh, my pastor told me to do this, or my leader, la. Uh, or you know, uh, it's been passed now because of tradition. This is just how it's done. Don't question. La. Be a good, good disciple, or be a good Christian, or be a good church member. And I think Peter was right in saying, Jesus, can you, can you help us? Can you explain this one more time to us? And I love the way Jesus answered. In verse 16, he said, are you also still without understanding? <laughs> okay, I want to imagine that the Lord said this lovingly and graciously. But I know, being a teacher sometimes, I, I, I get a little bit, ooh, impatient. You know, whenever someone asks me again and again and again, and I go like, don't you get it? Excuse me, how long have you been, how long have you been following me or listening to my teaching? You mean, you mean I've got to say it all over again? And this is where tracking with Jesus actually is quite good because he's so patient and he is so gracious. And every time I read about the disciples, it gives me hope, right? Because sometimes I am so slow of understanding and they have been following Jesus and yet, and yet, they lost track of the teachings of Jesus and they go, huh, can you still explain this once more? And in fact, they might have wrestled with yeah, I know you told us not to wash hands, but can we really just switch tracks? You see, all habits die hard. And if we don't repeat it again and again, if the teacher does not tell us once more and show us again, then it is easy for us to segue back even to that one track mind and get off again onto the wrong track. So I thank God for Jesus, right? He's so gracious. He's so patient. So he teaches once more and he explains again. He says, okay, tell you what, I'm going to lay the tracks again, right? One more time, slowly. Now listen in very, very closely. So this was my last slide. I could just see Jesus, you know, clicking onto his PowerPoint. He says, now, can you, can you look at this one more time? Let me explain this. In verse 17, do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth, goes into the stomach, and is eliminated. Okay, now, look at the charts, disciples, okay, in case you miss this. Food, handled by hands, hands put into mouth. Now, where does it go? It goes to the stomach, and after the stomach, it is eliminated. Now, in the English translation, we say it is eliminated. But do you know that in the original text, it is more graphic than that. It actually literally means it is expelled. It's that same word, ekbalo, to be cast out, to be thrown out, to be forced out, to be pushed out. Okay, I think you get the picture, okay, right? And it's the same word that Jesus used that when he says, I'm going to send you guys out, that's ekbalo. Pray that a lot of the harvest will send out workers to ekbalo. And it's the same forcefulness that after the food gets into the mouth, into the stomach, when it's digested through this tract, 
it is forced out, expelled out into the toilet. Okay, that's the literal translation. So Jesus is saying, can you see, can you look at this, this track that you guys are talking about? Where does it go? After the mouth, it goes to the stomach. And after that, it's eliminated. It misses, it bypasses the heart. In fact, it doesn't even get there at all. Now, the Gospel of Mark, he goes on and he says in verse 19, because it does not enter his heart by his stomach and is eliminated, now this purifies all foods. Wow, this is mind-blowing, you understand? To the Jew who is listening to this, it's like, excuse me, I thought we need to eat food that's clean, right? That God has ordained for us. And that our hands have got to be really clean so that it stays pure. And when it gets into us, then it's pure. Then we do not defile ourselves and then we stay pure. Now you're telling us all foods are okay. <laughs> wow, I'm getting out to, to order McDonald's now from the nearest, you know, the, the one next to the synagogue. It purifies all foods. Wow, this is radical. Now, now, let me just say this on the side, okay? This does not give us permission today to eat unhealthily or excessively. Okay, I thought I better quickly clarify in case some of you are saying like, okay, man, I'm going to just eat anything and everything because you say all foods are okay. Jesus is not giving you a scientific uh, uh, a hygiene lesson down here, okay? That if you want to eat healthily, you, you want to be healthy, you better eat carefully where that is concerned. But what he's saying is that it's not the food, you say. It's, it's not this track. You're on a wrong track. I'm on a different track. And so if you're listening to this and you think, wow, so I can now, if, if all these things coming in does not defile me, so does it mean now I can read all kinds of things. I can look at all kinds of things. Now, please don't take this out of context again, all right? Jesus is talking specifically about the food laws. So don't take this to extend to uh, pornography, demonic material, unwholesome stuff. This is not the teaching here, okay? Now, okay, great. I hope you got that. So because of all these things now, Jesus says, now, if you understand this track, Let's look at it. It's not what comes in through the mouth. It is what goes out of the mouth. Now, and where the source is. So he reads on in verse, or it's recorded in verse 18. Now, those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, and then murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Now, these are the things which defile a man. But if you eat with unwashed hands, that does not defile a man. And so he directs everyone again to his PowerPoint, to his wonderful you know, uh, chart that he has prepared. He says, now look at this. Now, now what comes out of the mouth? Now, where does it, where does it come from? It comes from the heart. And then he tracks it through now for them. You see, you see, now your heart, now that's you. That's everything about you, okay? It's not just your feelings, your emotions, that's not your thoughts, your thought life, your thought patterns. Everything comes out of your heart. Now it starts with the evil thoughts. You harbor things within your heart and through your mouth and even into your hands. It extends into your whole life. You have your words 
and it outplays into actions. So it starts in the heart and it comes out. And you notice from the word murders all the way to blasphemies, Jesus speaks about the sixth to the ninth commandments. He lists out the Torah once more from Exodus chapter 20. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, this does not mean that this is the exhaustive list and that's all. Because Mark chapter 7, verses 20 to 23, he adds other items like there's deceit, there's lewdness, there's now that evil eye, there's pride, there's foolishness. Where do all these things come from? Not from the food. It's from your heart. Friends, it's not the food that makes you do all these things that defile you. It's your heart. It's you. Your heart is central to everything that you believe, everything that you stand for, everything that you are. And that's why in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23, it says, keep your heart, guard it with all diligence, because out of it springs the issues of life. Jesus earlier in Matthew chapter 12, verses 34, he says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Or out of the abundance of the heart, you can extend it, that your hands will do, or your feet will go, or your eye will look or glare or be prideful. So hear and understand, it's not the food, it's not your diet, it's your heart. Think about it a little bit. Is this consistent with what Jesus has always been teaching? On the Sermon on the Mount, he said exactly the same things. He was, he was asking the people, you remember, you heard that it was taught this way, but let me tell you, this is the correct way to understand it. It's about the issue of the heart. It says, do not murder, but if you harbor anger, You've already begun to commit that murder. That's how serious it is. It says, do not commit adultery. Do not fornicate. But if you harbor lust in your heart, be careful. That's already the start point. If you don't nip it, it's going to go bad. Don't covet. In other words, don't steal. If you have it, if you covet in your heart, if you harbor this within your heart, guess what? You're going to be taking things. You're going to have an eye. They'll be looking out for your neighbor's goods, house, job, money, and even wife. Careful within your heart. If you want to protect your own reputation, if you want to tear other people down, then before you know it, you're going to bear false witness. You're going to have blasphemy. You're going to slander. You're going to complain, you're going to murmur, you're going to tear other people down. Friends, it's not the food that makes you do this. It's not the washing of hands. It is our hearts. Will you hear and will you understand? And this was what Jesus was saying to the multitudes and even to the disciples. He said, can you, can you listen to, to, to all this? See, so it's not the hands, it's not the food, it's your heart. Now, anyone looking at this and listening to this will then now realize, oh man, this is bad news, right? This is bad news because everything that's coming out, you can agree with me, it's, it's not great because our hearts are the problem. 
The Bible reminds us our hearts are sinful. They are the ones that have already been defiled. Our hearts are deceitful and you can say all you want, you can rationalize, you can justify, but nothing will help you if you don't deal with the issue of the heart. You can wash your hands a thousand and one times, you can declare with your mouth all the wonderful things, but if the heart is not dealt with, you are just a hypocrite, you are just going through the motion, you will just fulfill a tradition or a custom and still not worship God in the truest form of what He desires. See, watching our diet will not help. We need to watch our heart. And the question then has to be asked, how do we do this, right? How do we watch it? Because you and I know that time and again, no matter what we do, our hearts still get in the way. Our mouth, after a while, will reveal something and the things that we do is not something, are not things that we will be proud of. Thankfully, there's good news. Praise the Lord for this. There's good news to get our hearts back onto the right track. And the king comes and he says, this is my offer. See, I want to save you from your heart. I want to save you from yourself. I want to help your heart because this is the right track you need to get on. And I'm here to save you, to deliver you from this bad news, bring you on to the good news, to get your hearts back on the right track. And this is the only way I can do it for you. I want to rule and reign in your heart. See, this is the message of Jesus. All in. He's saying, look, I'm the king. That's why it's good news. You want to be kingdom people? You can't do this on your own steam, not in your own strength, not when you're going down the wrong track. I need to help you understand this and save you. And so for the people of Israel, i.e. the Jews, they tried their best, right? They, they tried to keep the law. They tried to do it from the outside in. But you know it's no longer helpful, right? It's not the outside in. They missed the point. It has to be the inside out. They tried to lift the Torah. They put in tradition. They lift up the tradition. They add in so many more laws, more rituals, more rules, more regulations. The more they tried to do, the more they failed. And God knows it. So that's why he says, look, I'm coming and I myself will solve the problem of the heart. And let me give you this solution. And he, he declares this through a prophecy in Jeremiah. He says, one day when I'm going to come, I'm going to come, I'm going to send the Messiah, and He is God Himself, I will make a new covenant with you. I'm going to throw over this old covenant because you've messed up so many times. Let me start fresh. And this is what I'll do. I'll put my law in your mind. I'll write it upon your heart so that you can live from the inside out and no longer from the outside in. Then he prophesies through Ezekiel. He says, this is what I'm going to do. You guys need new hearts. You need a heart transplant. <laughs> okay? And with this new heart will come a new spirit because your hearts are so so hardened right now. You, you think you are, you are good, you are prideful, you are hip hypocritical. I can't do anything with this. I got to replace this whole thing and I got to put in a new heart and it's going to, soft, it's going to be soft, pliable so I can write my laws upon them. I can put myself in there and I'll put my spirit within you for one purpose, 
that you can live correctly. You can walk in my statutes so that you can keep my judgments and you can now do them correctly, not from the outside in. It's got to be from the inside out. And that was exactly what Jesus did, right? He comes and he breaks this old covenant. He institutes a new covenant and he says, now this is it now. I'm going to give you new hearts. I'm going to purify it. I'm going to remove that sin that is there now. I'm going to give you the spirit of the king so that you can understand the word of the kingdom and you can live the ways of what the king desires. Friends, this is the good news of the kingdom. That's what it is. The rule and the reign of the king. This is the good news so that we can live the way that the king desires. We have the word that is placed within us, written upon the heart. We have the spirit of the king guiding us from the inside out. Christianity or the way of the kingdom is, is not an outside-in behavior modification. Man, that is tough. That doesn't last. It has to be hearts aligned with the king and his kingdom. That's what the Jews had to understand. Now, in the New Testament, do you know the writer of Hebrews in chapter 8, writing to Jewish believers of the Messiah, he quotes Jeremiah 31 again. Why? The Jews wanted to go back to Judaism, back to the Old Covenant, back to the Old Tradition. The writer of Hebrews in one line was telling them this, don't backtrack. Hello, you now know the king. You now have a new heart, a new spirit, new ways, a new covenant. This is the right track. Don't backtrack. This is the kingdom track. It's a totally different track from where you came from. Don't backtrack in Jesus Christ. You have a better way. You have a better covenant. You have better promises. That's the good news for the people of Israel, the people of the kingdom. But it doesn't stop there because it's not only for Israel. This extends also to those who are not of Israel, but who would believe in Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This good news and invitation is extended to all of us who are not Jews, right? And we are Gentiles. And so if you read Acts chapter 10, is this beautiful account of Peter being a Jew, Cornelius, who's a Roman, a Gentile, and God had to deal with Peter's one-track mind. Now, although he had gone through the teaching, although G Peter asked Jesus, explain this to us, and Jesus says, now, do you understand? Can you listen? Can you understand? Now, he still, as a good Jew, had had to break this one-track, right? Now, he was praying. It was recorded in Acts chapter 10. And God gave him a vision, not once, but three times. And this vision was of, of unclean food. And in the vision, Peter was told, come on, eat, eat these. And Peter says, no, 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 I'm a good Jew. I've never touched any one of these things at all. Nothing uncommon, uh, nothing unclean. And, and what, what, what I'm doing is that I'm, I'm good, you see? And the, in the vision, then Peter was told, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. You see, once more, Jesus, in and through that vision and through that message was telling Peter, 
break out of that wrong track. You're still getting back onto the wrong track. I'm telling you, it's not only for the Jews, it's now even going to extend to the rest of the world. And with that understanding now, the messenger from Cornelius came to Peter. Peter received him. Then after that, went to the house of Cornelius and preached the gospel to the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit falls upon them. They break out full of the Holy Spirit. And and Peter was so surprised and had such an object lesson on that day. Now, when he brings this report, now this is what I don't want you to miss. He brings this report back to Jerusalem. Now, remember head office? That's where the the scribes and the Pharisees came from and they took issue with Jesus. Now, Peter goes back again to Jerusalem. This, This was headquarters now for Christianity, the real kingdom of God here right now. He goes back and he says this, So God who knows the heart acknowledged them, the Gentiles, Cornelius, his entire household, gives them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction. You see this? No distinction between us and them, between the Jew and the Gentile. And I love this phrase, purifying their hearts by faith. What a powerful line, right? Our hearts are not purified by the things that we try to do or the washing of our hands or the kind of food that we eat. It's, a, it's not the digestive tract. It is the moral tract. And only God can do this. And all we need to, to do is to believe into the work of Jesus Christ and the person of the King and His kingdom by faith. And our hearts are made pure. Wow! This is the truth. And I want to declare this over you right now. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, your hearts have been purified, not because of us, but because of what He has done and by the Holy Spirit. We have been purified by faith. What we need now are renewed minds to accept this truth, to appropriate it so that we can live out from the inside out this kingdom truth. Stop backtracking to to old traditions, old customs, rules and rituals. Stop making new things to follow and to, to have more practices that you need to keep. You live out of these purified hearts enabled by the Holy Spirit. You see, that's the, that's the identity of kingdom people. And to the Jews, they, they had to wrestle with this because again, in the one-track mind. So in the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15 onwards, they asked, so what do we do with circumcision? How about the ceremonial laws for the Gentiles? Do they need to keep this to be kingdom people? And finally, they said, no, 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 no need, no need, okay? Let's not bother them. We couldn't even keep it. Can you stop telling them and giving them more burdens? All they need to do is to believe and to receive. And it seemed good to us, and as well as the Holy Spirit. Don't burden these people, but make them live right by a purified heart, by faith. This is great news, my friends, right? We don't live out of traditions and customs and laws and practices. Now, again, I say some of these things help us understand things better. But you've got to live out of a purified heart. That's great news. Now, Paul, do you know, had to deal with this issue, not just with the Jews, but also with the Gentiles. And especially when a group of people called the Judaizers wanted to 
place once more the burdens upon the Gentiles to get back onto a wrong track. And so Paul says, look, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, you are all one in Christ. If we believe, we all have the same purified hearts. And that's why he spoke so strongly against those who talked about circumcision. He says, no, 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 no. It's not the physical circumcision or an uncircumcision. Do you know what's important? It is a spiritual circumcision of the heart. It's, it's not what you eat, right? So let no one judge you in food or in drink. It is not the Sabbath, whether you keep it this way or keep it that way, or do you worship on a Sunday or on a Saturday or on a Friday? These things are immaterial. These are shadows, but the substance is in Jesus, in Christ. And he has already come and he's the king and he has shown us a much, much better way. And if you extend this to ourselves, Paul then says, can you guard against all kinds and all forms of godliness, all this outward religious adherence? They don't help you in the way that they really I, I, I'm talking about. It has to be from the inside out. You can say things, you can praise, you can, you can talk Christianese. But if your heart is far from God, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you still do not know that your hearts are already purified by faith, that you can be enabled by the Holy Spirit to live right for Jesus, then you are still trying to keep a tradition or a form or a function and then miss the whole picture. So live right. Live out of the promise that we have in Jesus Christ. Live out of a purified heart. But then what if our freedom offends others, right? And this is the final point I want to leave with you because I want to warn you and caution you. Sometimes people don't really want us to be as free as Jesus wants us to be free. And the disciples asked this question and Jesus did address this. You see, those who follow a set of rules, rituals and certain obligations Somehow they will be offended by the freedom that we have today in the spirit of the king. Now, what do we do with some of these people? Well, firstly, where possible, I think this is what we should do. Let's help as many get on to the right track, right? To share with them, we are on a different track now. This is a, this is a kingdom track. Let's have an awakening. Let's get aligned. Let's get onto the right track so that we can live out what's correct. Let's preach. Will you hear this? Will you understand this? But the truth is not everyone will hear and understand and respond correctly. Remember the parable of the sower as well as the soils? Jesus warned us about some of these people. But if it's not possible, then the Lord actually uses these three words. Let them alone. Leave them be. Now, this is quite a surprise from patient, loving, gracious Jesus, right? He's just saying, don't bother. Let it go, okay? Don't, don't waste your time in that sense. And his point was, again, very, very clear and very precise. He says, these, referring to the Pharisees, these were not planted by the Father. Well, this is scary, right? Not Because they're of a different track and perhaps they are of a different seed. Now, I'm not saying everyone is of the devil, but 
Again, remember the words of Jesus in the parable of the wheat and the tares. He says the wheat and the tares will coexist and both will grow in a similar fashion, in a similar time, but the separation doesn't come until the end of the age. And the separating is not to be done by us. Now, we will do our part to say here and understand, come on, get onto the right track. But these would continue because some are not of the Father and some are not of the Lord. And finally, the angels will come and will separate. And these who are on the wrong track will lead others, even others, and both will fall into the ditch, into a pit. Now, you go figure what that means symbolically. So the Lord is really telling all of us, do as best as you can, but don't be distracted by those on the wrong track. You stay on the right track and try and bring as many on. Your part, my part, is to follow Jesus on this run track. If this, if this one track you want to be on, it's a kingdom track, okay? So let's watch our hearts, purified by faith already, guided by the King and led by the Spirit of the King. Praise the Lord. And so I, I wanna, I'm going to close this whole teaching right now by, by reminding us once more, Jesus moves on a different track, totally. And sometimes this different track can be surprising and even offensive to some of us who might be on a churchy track or a religious track. Which track are you on? Right? I, I pray you're not on a traditional customs-keeping type of a track, uh, wrong track, okay? I want you to be on a kingdom track. You've got to, the, the clue is this, check which direction are you focused on? Are you looking only things from the, on, on, on the outside in, the things that you're doing in that sense, or are you looking from the inside out? Are you asking the Lord to check your heart over and over and over again? Or are you just happy doing the churchy things, the religious things, and think that you're okay because you're doing all that? Do you know God is not impressed by the number of things that we do, right? He wants us to be led by the Spirit from the heart so that we will then do what He tells us to do. Are we serving with the Spirit of the King? Are we moving according to the Word of the Kingdom? Are we moving by faith with the freedom that we can then love and serve others from the inside out? It's not what I tell you to do. It's what the Spirit leads you and how He wants you to respond from the inside out. Because if you're only doing things on the outside in, you know what? You're going to have guilt. You're going to have condemnation. And I'm saying to you, don't backtrack to guilt, not to shame, not to condemnation. Switch track onto this different track, a kingdom track. Follow Jesus on this right track. And how about this one track mind? Let me end with this. I say again, nothing wrong with a one track mind if you're on the right track. The one track mind I want to have is a kingdom mindset, a kingdom track. I want to move on kingdom purposes, lined up with the spirit and the word, moving towards a kingdom and on a kingdom agenda. I want to be awakened. I want to be aligned. I want to be assigned. Let's get onto the right track together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the good news. And the good news essentially is that you rule and reign over our hearts, Lord. And Lord, if we've tried to 
do this ourselves based on our own know-hows or our traditions or our customs, Lord, will you open our eyes to see that we need to switch onto a correct kingdom track with you? That our hearts are purified by faith and it will be by faith, by your Holy Spirit, that you help us move with a freedom, but yet according to your ways, Lord, of the kingdom. And so I pray for everyone listening in, Lord, that we will learn how to switch tracks onto the correct track, Lord. And for those of us who are already moving correctly, you keep us then onto this right track. We are not going to backtrack at all, oh Lord. Lord, do with us once more as you would within our hearts, Lord, that we will live from the inside out. And as it outflows, Lord, may we bring kingdom influence, kingdom impact, Lord, kingdom freedom, love, Lord, and grace to so many more who needs to know you, the good news of the kingdom, and to be ushered into your eternal glorious kingdom and purposes. So I thank you, Lord. I bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.